Well, hello, church. It's so good to be with you again. But it's a little bit of a sad day, actually, because we're finishing Psalm 23. Oh, no. Oh, no. I want to do it again. It's okay. But um, life goes on, and there's so much more of Scripture to explore. And uh, I have been so blessed going line by line by line through this psalm and spending pretty much every day of uh, my last five weeks just pouring into this and seeing what God really is pouring into me. And so I pray that you've been blessed as well, hopefully praying this back to the Lord, memorizing this psalm. He is our good shepherd. Amen, church? He is so good to us. And I pray that reading the psalm and knowing the psalm has only convinced you of that truth even more. We have three more things to see today in verse six. Three things that are true if you can say with sincerity, and I, and I pray to God that you can, with sincerity in your heart, that you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say those words? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? You know what? Let's say them together. How about that? I, I like that, okay? People are trying to say it back to me. Can we say that together? The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. And if, if you can say that with all sincerity of heart, these things, all of these things in this text are true for you. They were written for you so that you may be comforted today and every day that you follow the Lord as your shepherd. So let's stand together and actually recite this whole psalm together. Um, psalm 23 from the beginning The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He decides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we admit you and you alone are our shepherd. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, thank you for your grace and your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that we truly would be able to, with all sincerity of heart, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, say the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And God, that we would follow you individually and collectively as a church, God, following you into your green pastures. Lord, following you beside still waters. Following you in paths of righteousness, God. Lord, anything that comes our way, Lord, you are with us, Lord, and we believe that. Lord, you've anointed us with your Holy Spirit, God. You've filled our lives with grace abounding. And Lord, as today we see, God, your goodness, your mercy are always by our side. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we will be in your house forever, worshiping you, praising your name. And so, Lord, now as we look at your scripture again, would you bless us with it? 
Would you illuminate our hearts to it through your Holy Spirit? We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please be seated. So every week we've looked at three different things. And today we're going to see the goodness, the mercy, and the security we have in Christ Jesus, if he truly is your shepherd. So let's get right into it. Our first point is this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I can be supplied with goodness. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The verse begins with a confidence that can only be found in the never-changing character and assurance of the living God. He says, surely, surely, which could also be written only or indeed. It's this emphatic expression of complete guarantee. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely, goodness will follow me. Why does David have such confidence? Why is he able and why should we be able today to say, surely, goodness will follow me? Is it not because he believed the promises of God? Is it not because he has seen God work powerfully through his life? Is it not because us today as well, we can look back to the moment when God revealed himself to us and he showed us who Jesus was and we believed and our sins were washed away and now so we can say, surely goodness will follow me. The confidence in this word is needed and necessary and it's obvious to the one who has the Lord as their shepherd. Being near to God, seeing his rest and his love, experience the calm and the presence that is created only through him, it creates this confidence. It gives us this confidence in the future and in the promises of God. When you draw near to him, it will only cause you to want to draw near to him again. When you've seen his promises, you will want to see them fulfilled more and more in his life. When you see his character and experience the peace that he pours out, you will only want more. You will only want more and more. And now you can say, surely, surely this goodness, surely he is good even though the world is not. Surely this goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's nothing really more sure than this promise that we have. It's because it's speaking to the very promises of God. He does this, as we saw earlier, for his namesake. It's because of him that goodness will follow us every day of our lives. This is what God does for the believer in Jesus Christ. Not only will he supply every need, as Philippians 4.19 says, but he will give you assurance that he will supply with his goodness. It's the goodness of God that might grab our attention at first. In Psalm 34, verse 8, very, very popular and famous verse, the psalmist is seeking to convince the reader, and he exclaims, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Allow it to grab your attention. See the goodness of God. Be attracted to the goodness of God. Taste it and feel it and know it. Have you tasted and seen the goodness of God? Do you know the goodness of God? Have you experienced his love, his comfort, 
and the fellowship that we have in the Lord. It truly can make anything feel like still water. It surely will bring us through the valley of the shadow of death. We've seen the goodness of God throughout this psalm, haven't we already? He is good to be our shepherd. Praise God, we don't deserve this, but he's been good to be our shepherd and lead us. He's, he's good to give us everything we need. He is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is good to feed us with the green pastures of his word. He is good to lead us beside still waters and in righteousness. He is good to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, anointing us with oil and overflowing our cup. These are the goodness. This is the goodness of God. Have you seen the goodness of God in your life? This goodness of peace, this goodness of grace, this goodness of assurance, this goodness that wraps around you, as the psalmist says, it will follow me all the days of my life. And I pray that you have seen and you have tasted the Lord's goodness, so you must know that it'll always be with you. If the Lord is good to you, he will always be good to you. He does not let one of his sheep go. He does not abandon us at any time. He is always with you. Surely his goodness will be with you every single day. You must have confidence just as the psalmist does here in 23 verse 6. Surely, surely this goodness will not leave me. We have received so much goodness, an overflowing of goodness. And David here is saying, wow, I am blessed. Clearly, this will be going on forever. Clearly, because our Lord is not limited. Our Lord is not bound. His goodness knows no end. But since we have tasted this goodness, since we have seen that the Lord is good, what does it mean for us? What does this mean for us? Well, first, as I've already mentioned, it means assurance. If we've seen the Lord's goodness, it means assurance. We know that the Lord is good to us forever. Don't fly over this point too quickly. Assurance for the believer is so important. Rest assured in his assurance. The Lord is good. He will always be good. It gives us assurance, but it also changes how we live today. Just like a child who grows up in a home where he knows he is loved. And maybe he has fond and lasting memories and he trusts his parents and he feels this deep sense of safety and longing to be at home with them and he desires to please his parents. We, like children, after seeing the unending goodness of God, we, we long to live righteously before him. We long to live in a good and pleasing way before him. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 3 uh, says this. It says, So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And then he finishes off this verse with this important clause, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see what the goodness of God does to the believer in Jesus Christ? If you have tasted that the Lord is good, 
That means you are longing for spiritual milk. You're longing for the word of God to transform you, the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, when you have seen the goodness of God in his word, it will cause you to put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander. This is how the Lord changes us. If the Lord has been good to you, you now want to be good to others. His goodness will reflect in you as you allow him to. The fruit of the Spirit will flow through you. But it all starts with him, doesn't it? We can't be good without the Lord, can we? Let's be very clear about the gospel that we believe. We do not show God our goodness and show him how good we've been to then earn his goodness on our life. That's not how it works. God has shown us his goodness and we believed in his son through his goodness. And then his goodness follows us the rest of our lives. You see, no one is good but God, as Jesus says in Mark 10, 18. Only God is good. He shows us his goodness. And we're attracted and we taste and see his goodness. And then because of his goodness, we seek after him more and our hearts are transformed. This is the gospel. This is how it works. The goodness of God will supply every need when we are in need. It is the goodness of God that sustains us. It provides for us. It keeps us. It encourages us. That's his goodness in your life. And it's following you every day. I don't think there's better imagery, if, if we need to explain this further, I don't think there's better imagery of the goodness that God has for us, or I couldn't think of better imagery anyway, than thinking of a newborn child, right? We have uh, three kids at home. I talk about them as much as I can, but our newest addition, little Brooke, she's about 10 months old just the other day, so she's 10 months old. And we're not perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination, but we do so much for that little baby, don't we? We pour out goodness on her all the time. We put up gates in the house so that she won't crawl down and fall down the stairs, right? She doesn't appreciate it, but we do it. We make her room a good temperature at night for her to sleep in. We feed her food that will be good for her to grow we give her toys that she can play with without choking on, right? When we're driving in the car, we strap her in. She doesn't like it, but we do it anyway. It's goodness for her sake. We cut her nails so she doesn't scratch herself or scratch my face off, which she's done before. We give her baths so that she remains clean. None, none of this at her request. We take her to the doctors for her shots and for her checkups. We take things away from her that will harm her. You see, little Brooke, she has no idea the goodness that surrounds her. But her mom follows her around with goodness all day. She will become more and more aware of this goodness as she grows. As she, as she becomes more aware of who we are and what we do for her. And maybe even one day she'll thank us for it. We're not holding our breath. But we will never stop trying to do what is good for our children. 
See, God shows his goodness to you in ways that you'll never even know. And in ways that you will never even thank him for. And in ways that you can't even see. But this you can be rest assured in. His goodness follows you all the days of your life. Picking up all the slack. Picking up the things we don't see. Giving us exactly what we need. Taking away the things that will harm us. His goodness surrounds you. Following you constantly. Why? Because we so desperately, just like little Brooke, need it. He will provide what you need. And since this is true, we should really not be quick to complain when things are not going exactly the way we think they should be. It may be the goodness of God keeping you from something bad. Be thankful. We should not be quick to boast in ourselves when things are going the way we hoped they would. It's probably, and I can tell you definitely, is just the goodness of God pouring out his blessing in your life. Be thankful. But when we see God this way as a a doting parent, loving his children, following them with his goodness, we can exclaim, surely goodness will will follow me all the days of my life. But listen to this, church. See, goodness is great, and we need it, and it will follow us all the days of our lives, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And it's not just goodness that he speaks of here, it's, it's also mercy. We desperately need the mercy of God as well. And so what we see here is because the Lord is my shepherd, if the Lord is your shepherd, I can be saturated in mercy. I can be saturated in mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We see almost like these two angels following us everywhere we go. The first goodness and on the other side, mercy of God. The goodness that follows us is, of course, the blessing, the help of God. But it's not enough. We also need his mercy. And we can't confuse these things as the same. They're distinctly different. You see, the angels in heaven receive the goodness of God, but they don't receive the mercy of God. The mercy of God is reserved for sinners who have repented and trusted in Jesus Christ. We receive both the goodness and the mercy of God. Mercy is for the forgiveness of our sins. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. And if you have been forgiven, his mercy follows you every day. And his mercy protects us from the evil effects of sin in this world. I've been sharing a few stories over the last five weeks um, throughout history where people have been really impacted by the words of this psalm. And And I pray that they have been helpful for you in relating to. But I know that sometimes when we share stories, um, of the past and people that we don't know and all of those things, they, they can kind of become a little lost and almost feel distant. Not always, but that can happen. Well, I want to tell you a story that really will hit home for us here. It was December 6th in 1964. And it was in Sudan, in Africa, in the capital city of Khartoum. There was a revolution taking place in the city. 
in the country. And the violent mob was coming to destroy and sack this Christian compound along with many other things in the area. That day, these Christians, led by a pastor named Wesley, were having a day of baptisms outside, baptizing dozens of people. And they caught word that this mob was coming and going to infiltrate and burn and destroy. And so they ordered everyone to go home and, and, and scatter. Pastor Wesley and his family um, went to the parish, the, the church inside of this compound, and next to the church was the house where the pastor and his family lived, and they went there and they barricaded the doors and they sat and waited because what they heard from the officials uh, on the telephone earlier that day that the Americans, the embassy was sending help and that the sheriff was sending help and they heard this and they were confident so they went and they sat in their house but the rioters came and the phone lines went dead and no one came. And this pastor with his young family and some, a few other people sat in this house as they heard the mob coming closer. And they started burning down the buildings around them and the building that they were in. They had no communication with any of the authorities, but they still had communication with the greatest authority. And as a family, they prayed. And one would pray, and then they would recite Psalm 23. And another would pray, and they would recite Psalm 23. You can imagine as they heard the mob coming closer and throwing Molotov cocktails to burn down the house and knocking on the door and rummaging through, calling them out, looking for people to kill. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And they hear them coming closer. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And they come closer, they come closer. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And they come closer and they come closer. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. They come closer, they come closer. And come to verse 6. They're praying for six hours. They come to verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can only imagine how much those words mean to you when you literally think the door will be knocked down and you will be killed. And they pray, and they pray, and they recite, and they recite. And a man knocked on the door. And who would believe anyone who's knocking on the door? But this man knocks on the door and he says, Uncle Wesley, Uncle Wesley, speaking to the pastor, and his family. And immediately it caught their attention because people in Sudan couldn't pronounce the word and the name Wesley. They would often get people saying, why Sili or Vasili or Basili or Wisli, but no one really ever said it properly as Wesley. And so that caught their attention and he came to the door and the man at the door said, I'm a friend of Sammy's. 
Well, Sammy was his son, but Sammy wasn't there. And he goes, Sammy isn't here. And he goes, I know. He's studying pharmacy up in Egypt right now. Well, this surely got their attention. And he said, Uncle Wesley, we must get out and we must leave. They're going to burn this place down. And so they trusted him. They opened up the door and Pastor Wesley and his seven-year-old son and others followed this man out and to safety. To this day, they have no idea who that man was. They asked Sammy and he doesn't know who this man was. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'll tell you this, in that room, that seven-year-old was the son of Pastor Wesley's Samir Stasi, who's an elder at our church. You see, the comfort of God is not something that is far out there. It's very close to home. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. As Samir was telling me the story, he said, he said, I, I don't really, I, I struggle to share it because I don't want any glory. I said, I don't think anyone looks at this story and would give you glory. But all of us collectively can say, all glory to God. All glory to God. Because his mercy shall follow us all the days of his life and our life. The Lord is good to us, church. He follows us with his goodness and with his mercy. You see, just like Samir and his father and mother and those in that room, they were able to pray to the Lord and they were able to worship God because Jesus has made a way for us through the cross. We today are able to cry out to God because of his mercy that he's poured out on us. Jesus has made a way for us to worship the Father through his cross. Because he died for us. Because he paid the penalty for our sin. Because our sin has been put on that cross and his righteousness has put, been put on us. His mercy now is on us. We are no longer debtors to sin, but we are servants of the living God. And his goodness and his mercy follow us and now we can worship. And when we are in the hardest of times, when the mob is at the door and the flames are coming through and the smoke is above our heads, we're able to pray to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is above everything and say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We see the goodness of God. We see the mercy of God. And once David has said this with such boldness, he comes to this last beautiful line. He says, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I can be secure in the presence, 
in the shepherd's presence. I can be secure in the shepherd's presence. He's not going anywhere. And in fact, he's inviting you in. And that table we saw set before us last week, we will be in the house of the Lord forever. Not just in prayer, not just when we go to him, not just for rest while we're still on this earth, but one day we will rest in the house of the Lord forever. Praise be to God. You can be secure in the shepherd's presence forever. The psalmist comes to this final thought that must be communicated to us as an incredible encouragement. It's not the kind of encouragement that is just hopeful or flattering. It's based in the unchanging, sure, and perfect promises of the living God. We will dwell in his house forever. These are the words we need in any moment, and especially a low moment. They will help us reposition our minds to the goal, to the prize, to the comfort of eternity, the paradise that has been won for us through the blood of our Savior. Reposition your eyes to eternity, church. The Lord has made a way that you will dwell with him forever. The Lord knows exactly what we need, doesn't he? The Lord has put eternity in our hearts. And the way that David speaks here, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't think much has changed in the human heart over the last 3,000 years from when this was written. You see, all of us long for home, don't we? We all long to go home. It's sweet to go away sometimes for a while, but all of us love going home. To be in the familiarity of our own house, surrounded by the comforts of maybe a favorite chair or your own bed and your own blanket and your own pillow. Praise the Lord for your own pillow. With family, with memories, and, and a certain kind of freedom that you don't experience elsewhere. A place where you can let your guard down and rest. We all long for home. We all long for this place. It's deep within the human heart to go home. Even the word itself is comforting. Home. How many songs have been written about home? The idea of home unites us. Because all of us want to go home. Even if we're enemies, all of us want to go home. Reverend Borum, as I've quoted before, he, he records this really sweet story um, from the American Civil War. And he writes this. I'll just read it word for word. He says, In the course of America's tremendous tragedy, the Civil War, the opposing armies came within sight of each other just as twilight was deepening. They bivocated for the night. A river separated their camps. As the shadows were darkening, a regimental band on the federal side struck up the star-spangled banner. It was answered by a band of the rebel regiment with a way down south in Dixie. And so things went on for a while, tune pitted against tune. At last, a happy uh, instinct moved the federal band. It played home, sweet home. 
One after another, the rest of the bands in both armies joined in. And, and when it was finished, a voice cried out, three cheers for home. And then forgetting for a moment the things that had made them foes and united by a sentiment that was older than time and stronger than death, those bronze soldiers who were on the morrow to be flung at each other's throats joined in cheering the homes from which they had come, but to which they might never return. And as each man turned to his tent that night, cheers gave place to tears. There is no instinct so universal and so deep. I think that's so true. You see, even when we, when we face our enemies, when we face those that are opposed to the gospel, when we face those that hate us maybe and don't believe, you see, even in their heart is this longing to go home. And as we share the, the good news of Jesus Christ and the eternal resting place that we have in him and the home that God is calling us to, we might even be able to win some hearts for the gospel. And even within our own walls, church, we might have differences in a few things. None of us are exactly alike, praise God. We may differ on minor points of theology. We may differ on minor points of practice or how we do things or different ideas. But all of us, all of us are longing for home. In John 14, our Savior says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would have I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Surely the things that unite us are far greater than anything that could divide us. The salvation we have in Jesus Christ, the home that all of us are going to, to live forever in the bliss and in the presence of God, to be at his side, to worship him. Surely these things are far greater than any disagreement we may have today. During this pandemic, I've seen church leaders publicly criticize one another. It's so sad to see. I've seen, I've seen and I've heard from churches that they're, they're so split over how we do this whole regathering thing and what we do in a pandemic. People fighting over wearing masks or not wearing masks or, or, or going out or singing or this or that. And Do you know that we will all dwell together in the house of the Lord forever? How can these things divide us? How can these things divide those who say the Lord is my shepherd? The sure hope of our future. When we, when we look forward to eternity, all these other things just sort of melt away in their importance. We just say, yes, I will defer and I will act in love and I will do what is necessary. But look, but look where we're going. We're all heading to the same eternity. Praise be to God. This life can be overwhelming. The battles rage in our own hearts, the difficulty with so many things around us, the nonstop work and the feeling that they, things will never change, the long days they make for long weeks and long months and long years. But as a believer in Christ, 
and in unity as a church. We have a home. And we're working towards that end. Not because of us, but because his goodness and his mercy follow us all the days of our life. I hope these words are a comfort to you. I hope these words encourage your heart. That they would give you assurance that God loves you. That he has won your soul. That he has prepared a place for you. And and from this point and until that point, he is with you every step along the way. God is with us. Be comforted, church. His goodness will follow you. His mercy follows you. And we will all dwell together in his house forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the incredible promise, God, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, thank you that until we get there, God, your goodness and your mercy is just pouring out on us, Lord. Guiding us, keeping us from things, leading us in ways, forgiving every sin. Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you, God, that we are united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your word that guides us and leads us, Lord. Allow us to drink this spiritual milk that will transform our lives and bring you all the praise and glory. Lord, we need you. We are helpless without you, God. We are desperate for you. Follow us with your goodness and your mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.